humans, welcome to our podcast, Deconstruct. We're your hosts, Lauren and Adam. We dive headfirst into conversations breaking down things like religion and purity culture, sex, spirituality, and the world around us. Although we now consider ourselves to be somewhere between agnosticism and mystical atheism, we often speak from our experiences from our time spent in the Christian music industry and religious upbringing. We bring on a variety of guests to hear their story and help demystify topics that we were once taught to fear or ignore, expanding the lenses through which we see the world. We'd love to hear your story. You can find us on Instagram at deconstruct.pod. Now, on to the episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we have Christina Cleveland. She is a social psychologist, public theologian, author, and activist. She's the founder and director of the Center for Justice and Renewal, as well as its sister organization, Sacred Folk, which creates resources to stimulate people's spiritual imaginations and support their journeys toward liberation. An award-winning researcher and former professor at Duke University's Divinity School, Christina's work has appeared in magazines ranging from Essence to Christianity Today. Christina, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. It's good to be here. Yeah, we're so happy to have you. Um, actually, before we even really dive into it, I wanted to tell you and thank you um, just up front for your work. I, You were one of the very first people I, um, I personally found online um, at the very beginning of my deconstruction journey um and de starting of my decolonizing my my faith and reconnecting back to my ancestors um as a, a native woman and um yeah i really just admire your work just from the get-go i just wanted to say that mm, thank you it's always encouraging to hear that because um I don't know. You just, you know, we're just out here doing what we do and um, to know that it's making an impact and it's nourishing other people is such a gift. So thank you. Yeah. For yeah. Sharing that. Absolutely. Um, and uh, we can kind of s- swap stories, which is what I, we love to do on, on this podcast is just kind of go back and forth and swap um, our, our journey stories. But um, I kind of wanted to start with your beginning of Kind of your, I don't know if you call it deconstruction or if you use that language, but um, deconstruction, decolonization, coming into your own. Um, when did that really begin for you? That's such a good question. Um, <laughs> I'm laughing because um, when the editorial team at my publishing company put together like the ba- the writing for the back jacket of my book, mm-hmm. um, they were like, they, they called my experience a crisis of faith. <laughs> and I think I think my ego got a little bruised. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "Are we calling it that? Like, is it really that, is that like, the closest know? descriptor for us?" Yeah, you know, um, because I think um, I think there's still something in me, you know, that's patriarchal that wants to feel like I've always I'm all I've always I've already arrived. I was born arriving. I right. Was, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> and to actually just name, yeah, there was a bit of a breakdown there. For like five years, <laughs> um, um, 
I think it made it, it was hard for me to put that on the back cover of the book, but it's probably accurate, you know? And um, so, you know, I, I guess my crisis, my crisis of faith probably started when I was seven and I got kicked out of Sunday school for asking why a rainbow was supposed to be enough to justify God killing everybody mm. um, in Noah's Ark. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that was the beginning of me just kind of being like, I'm not sure about, I kind of, I, I have this phrase like little Christina be knowing, you know, yeah. back at myself and just like, you know, like, yeah. I had some, I had some big questions. She was tapped that in. I think, Exactly. You know, and I think I think that part of me that like deconstructing and 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 reclaiming part of me too, you know, um, got shut down early on. But Mm -hmm. I I guess I would say the seeds, the seeds were sown very early on. Um, I learned how to be a good girl and stay in my lane and keep that keep a lid on that. But it was always inside. Um, And then I guess I would say a huge I mean, I probably have a few different catalytic moments, but um, you know, I think a big turning point for me was um, Trayvon Martin in 2013, yeah. um, being shot and killed, murdered, and then the, the Christian response to that. Because mm-hmm. um, I had been doing reconciliation, like so-called racial reconciliation work for a couple years at that point, pretty much vocationally. Like, you know, full. it was a side hustle, but it was a full-time side hustle, if right. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And so, and I really believed, I really believed like, oh, the church just knows, like, they just don't know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, like, I genuinely believe that. And I thought that as a social psychologist, that, um, oh, they just need to know what, like, I'm sure their hearts are in the right place. I just need to give them the tools. I just need to unpack Mm -hmm. it for them. Mm -hmm. That's all that. And so I think just coming face to face with the reality, like, okay, wait a second, this idea of Jesus that I've been taught to worship um, is actually against me and is behind all of these people who cannot affirm my humanity. Um, And so that was like kind of the beginning of the unraveling, but you know, that was 2013 and I didn't like really take significant steps away um until like two three years later so Mm. you know you're kind of in the you're in it and you're like "Mm," kind of side-eyeing yeah but also uh, invested. <laughs> yeah. And and evangelical Christianity is so powerful and that it's like it's it's so the weaving is so tight. Right. So like your friends, your finances, your your vocation, your holiness, um your sense of whether you're even going to be damned or not. <laughs> like, right. Everything is tied up in it. And so untangling, unweaving, and then reweaving something is something, you know, I think there's a reason why people stay on the plantation, Mm. even if they know, even if they know, well, there's, there's, there's probably better life out there for me because what I have right here is not great. Um, So even as we sort of have that realization, it takes a lot of um, bravery, right, right place, right time, support, um, universal lining and then also an ability to connect with abundance when literally you've been chaplained into just living a liturgy of fear your whole life. So that that connecting with abundance is like, it's a mystical process. And I think it's something that it's almost impossible to do if you don't have help. Well, I think there's something to a a lot of the institutions that you've worked with, um, as far as I can tell, were faith-based between what is it? St. Mary's and Minneapolis and then at Duke we're both theological yeah. schools and 
And were you doing uh, social psychology at those spaces or were you working in theology with them? So I was at St. Kate's in, in Minneapolis, St. Paul, yeah. um, which is a, technically a Catholic school, although pretty secular. Like yeah. um, there, it's yeah, really different than like a lot of Christian colleges are like there's no chapel and that kind of stuff. Um, and I was in that I was in the psychology department at St. Kate's. Okay. Um, but when I was at Duke, I was in the divinity school. So I had kind of tra- I had sort of. Um, rebranded myself as a theologian. By the yeah, <laughs> sure. Well, it's like, it's interesting because we have this background as well in, uh, not in the same kind of way, but we were in the Christian music industry for a long time. Um, Which is like so intense. Well, and it's, yes, <laughs> yeah. it's very intense in the way it's like, it's, it's kind of like, uh, what, what do they call it? Uh, tent pitching as like, mm-hmm. as Christians did back in the day where you'd mm-hmm. throw up a tent and you'd, whatever. Um and to go around and kind of parade this theology that you were hired for, in our case, um, mm-hmm. or something that uh, you were employed by, in your case, mm-hmm. where they kind of have mm-hmm. a standing theology, it, it mm-hmm. creates this uh, exchange of being a professional Christian in a way, or at least mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. abiding by the theology that they provide you with. And mm-hmm. when we yeah. came up against our as we call it deconstruction, some may say like unraveling or crisis of, uh, of faith. faith. <laughs> uh, I, that was, that was a very hard thing to butt up against. Um, because I think to, to lose all of those things for us, our creativity was tied into it for you, your, mm-hmm, your finances mm-hmm. and your work. And mm-hmm. you were able to, to move from place to place working in social psychology and working in theology and really diving into what it was you were passionate about. But did you, did you ever feel like there was, any limitation on how much you were allowed to evolve and change and grow because of the spaces oh, that you were in? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, so my I had I I had two appointments at straight up evangelical Christian colleges where you have to sign a statement of faith yeah. and also mm. sign um, a community life statement about behaviors. Um, and those are annual things you have to sign. So that felt extremely um blatantly constrictive and you know it's it's all the things that you would expect like in the believing in the trinity uh homophobe you know basically like espousing a homophobic theology um you know promising you won't have sex outside of marriage all that kind of stuff um but then when i got to duke i was actually surprised because duke duke's technically a secular school and the divinity schools within it and um I was shocked at how confessional it was, though. You didn't you didn't have mm. to sign a statement of faith like that, but there were clear black and white, um, like boundaries. Yeah, and I certainly um, was very careful, especially when I started going down like the Black Madonna path. When mm-hmm. I was still at Duke, when mm. I was starting to do research on, it. actually, Duke funded my first pilgrimage. <laughs> wow. Um, you know, but I was very, I was very careful about how I talked about it because they were like kind of good old Southern Methodists, which are, right. you know, they're essentially evangelicals in terms right. of their theology. And so what I was doing was not okay. Um, and I, I certainly could not, there's no way in the world I could have um, done that research and gotten tenure with that research. I, I was doing other works for my tenure. <laughs> so yeah. this again was a mm-hmm. side hustle, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I'm not, I'm not sure that I would have gotten fired over it, um, but it certainly wasn't work that could have gone towards my like academic standing there okay yeah um so so I think like you know there are these these kind of like what you guys are talking about in the music industry like there are these clear um like goodies for the people who who 
to like, it's almost like carrots with a horse. You know what I mean? Like if you Mm -hmm. just keep doing what we want you to do, you'll be fine. And if not, like we're not going to, this isn't in writing, but there will be clear ramifications. Mm. Um, And so it was kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what so was it when you were at Duke that you like w- did you leave Duke because you wanted to pursue this the vocational work that you were doing more or like what was no, that what was that no, point it was more so that um you know I mean this it's no secret that Duke Divinity School is like a super toxic place it's like yeah. throughout yeah. the theological world <laughs> so you know I think I, I think this journey towards um finding myself in the divine mm-hmm. uh, this journey towards um recognizing that I'm sacred. I mean, at some point I was just like, I'm too sacred for this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like I'm just too sacred for this. Like if God is really a black woman, Mm -hmm. which I'm believing more and more and I'm embodying more and more. um, If that's true, then there's, there's no way that God wants me to, to put up with this plantation. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And there, there must be a way that God will provide for me. Right. Is that the first image of yourself? that you saw in God or was it like, was like there the something? Like the mean? Yeah. Like, well, for, yeah. for Lauren, it oh. was just the first idea was calling God she. And that was, mm. that was an initiation into being able to explore what, what God could be to, to her. And, and then it became they to you, right? Like, yeah. So, I mean, I, I, my story, I guess, um, was I wanted to flip the script of the he God, father God. Um, Cause mm-hmm. it just wasn't anything I, related to it was uninteresting and punishment and I just that it was the first thing I wanted to get rid of when I was like deconstructing because I was like this just isn't right if it's all about love it's definitely not a he father god for sure um for me and so yeah I went from okay well if it's not a he father god then must be a she and to me I was like okay well I've always connected with my grandmothers neither of them have I met in this life but I've always Mm -hmm. felt very connected to my dad's mother who, um, is a brown woman. Um, she's indigenous. And, um, anyway, so I was like, okay, so I've never met her, but I've always felt this nurturing connection. Like she's always with me. That feels godlike to me. So I kind of imagined God as a brown woman. One I've never met, but I've always Mm -hmm. known. Um, Mm -hmm. and then from there, um, it kind of expanded into, well, what if it's not just her? What if it's not just my grandmother? Like, what if it's not just like this brown woman? To me, it expanded. I was like, well, I have other ancestors as well. It's not just her. And and she has mothers Mm. and she has grandmothers. And that means I have more mothers and more grandmothers. (laughs) Anyway, Mm -hmm. um, and just kind of expanded from there and beyond just my dad's side as well. I was like, well, what about all of my ancestors? Yeah. and so God went from he God to she God to they God. Um, mm. And so God really is that that feeling of um, of knowing. Sometimes I say ancestral download and sometimes I just say, you know, in my body. And to me, mm. in my body, my body is my ancestors and therefore is God. Um, and so mm. then that I have all I, I have grown into finding God within myself because my ancestors reside within me. Um, I was just curious if um, beautiful. if you had a journey for you to find um, God. Yeah, it was incremental woman. like that. Yeah, it was incremental like that. I would say um, in 2010, I did a gender and Christianity um, like fellowship 
in Seattle. Um, and I was exposed to just like the first time, like really, um, really powerful feminist theology mm-hmm. about God and coming from a Christian perspective. But that was the first time I was like, oh, wow. So but, you know, it was very white. Yeah. The whole the whole fellowship program and then also the the theology with the with the with a few rare exceptions that we read, you know, some Jacqueline Grant and um, some other like black, you know, black feminists or womanist mm-hmm. writers. But um, but what's interesting is the womanists in general uh, generally call God male, although God is black to them. Um, and so on the one hand, I had white feminists who were saying, God's a she, mm. <laughs> and then I had black, black feminists saying God's male, but God's black. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and so I think I was kind of stuck in the middle there for a while. And I think, um, one of the things that I've thought a lot about is how blackness, um, is really denigrated and seen as far from the divine and also femaleness. Mm. And so to put, so to put the two together, you know, blackness, which is like, um, unholy and lazy and dirty and femaleness, which is like untrustworthy and easily Mm -hmm. deceived and weak. Right. It's like to put them together was really, really, really hard for me. Um, And I could sort of affirm black Jesus, black male Jesus. And I could sort of affirm this maybe like white female Trinity sort of deal. (laughs) Um, And then um, I think, uh, yeah, it just took a lot of soul searching for me and um, kind of like the end of my rope, just being like, okay, I literally, this is not working for me. Like Mm -hmm. I, there's, I don't trust this entity. Um, And so I think, you know, what was really powerful for me was seeing the images of the black Madonnas because that was the first time Mm -hmm. I saw anything traditional um, that kind of represented holiness and trustworthiness and divinity and sacredness. Um, And since then, you know, art, black art has been just like a huge resource for me because Mm -hmm. I think I've, I think I've had a hard time imagining the sacredness of black women because of my reality. Right. Um, Yeah. And so that, so it is, I think it was sort of, it's been, it was incremental in the sense that it was like, I could affirm a female God, I could affirm a black God, but then kind of putting them together. Um, and now I would say, you know, I think, um, I, I think I refer to God as she a lot, but I would say ultimately I, I, I would understand God to be they, um, just cause the black trans theologians have just shaped me so much. Yeah. And, um, so the sort of a non-binary or an all inclusive, um, right. gender God is just like so powerful to me. And then also Lauren, what you were saying about, um, kind of the they, I love that. I mean, that's probably one of my favorite things about the Christian Trinity is it's a posse. It's mm-hmm, a they, mm-hmm. you know, and I see that, that really, I mean, I, probably cause I grew up with that, but that really resonates with me that, um, that by my side and dwelling within me and without me and around me is a they, mm-hmm. <laughs> a multitude, um, of wisdom and power and nourishing and, um, calling so it's really it's a beautiful way to conceive of god it's it seems whole mm-hmm. it seems like a whole uh perspective of god i i and, and also you're... like not codependent like i don't need one yeah. entity to be everything but kind of like we're a community yeah, <laughs> yeah. everyone's kind of pitching in and like <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely yeah. and i i mean and the you had mentioned like the 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 art you know, the mm. first seeing Black Madonna and then um, now these portrayals that, I mean, you've been posting for years now um, of mm-hmm. of Black Mother God. 
Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And those were the first images that I saw that, you know, mm-hmm. through and that and that's what I mean when I first found your work. That was like, I think once I first saw it, like a depiction of of a black or brown God mother, I was like, mm-hmm. that's it. That's who she is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I just felt it really um, immediate. Mm-hmm. And that was that was truly and Adam can attest it was like the first solid thing I stood on um, mm-hmm. when I was deconstructing and reconstructing because I feel like it truly kind of happened all at the same time because in order for me to deconstruct I had to have something to stand on mm-hmm. and that was definitely black brown she mother god um, and so I know that that the art of that and the images can be so healing and you still post mm-hmm. them today it's still so much a part of what yeah, you part of, mm-hmm. what you yeah. are uh, portray online yeah. yeah yeah you know I think as I've healed too um you know I was raised to be a scientist my mm-hmm. PhD is actually in cardiovascular psychophysiology oh my gosh wow and, yeah yeah so I'm I'm really good at rebranding <laughs> wow yeah I guess you are <laughs> I guess I look back over like the last 15 years. <laughs> That's amazing. I've been a few different things. <laughs> um, but, but anyways, um, you know, I was raised to be a scientist, both in the church and, and in academia. Mm. You know, like I was this, this very rational, patriarchal, linear way of thinking about mm. everything. Right. Mm-hmm. And we need to have certainty and we need to have. And um, I think as I've healed, the artist in me has... Um, has been reawakened has mm. from, from her slumber. And so it's been really neat. I mean, part of the, re- I'm not a visual artist in the way that I often showcase other people's work, but now I, I think of myself primarily as a creator because um, weaving together images and stories and theology and science, and it's really an art and not very many people can do it like I do. And so kind of just honoring that and uh, seeing that that's something that has come that has come out, come about because of my healing, because I've gotten in touch with my body and with nature and with my creativity and with my silliness and mm. with my playfulness and all these things that patriarchy tried to kill. In yeah. Me. Um, and even just the questions of like little Christina being like, uh, rainbows are cool, but a rainbow's not going to cut it. Right. When <laughs> God wipes everybody out. Right. You know, that, <laughs> that's a very creative, inquisitive kid yeah. who ultimately is seeking hope. Mm. you know there's I'm asking those questions because I believe that can't be the answer (laughs) did did you (laughs) You know did you have a moment where you remembered you (laughs) asking that question like later on now as an adult you're just like wait yeah and then like did you relive that moment being like you were right like you were on to something Mm -hmm. there are lots of times when I go back and look at pictures of me when I was a kid where I'm I just look kind of dubious where I'm like "Mm, I don't know know." (laughs) (laughs) just like in that was like that was like my general face you know and um and I totally get it now because it was a hostile space yeah you know it was all couched in this like creepy language of love Mm. like like an abuse like an abuser right Right. like I mean that it was like it was couched in this so you know it it felt unfaithful Mm. to name it Mm -hmm. as unsafe (laughs) right you know but it was Mm -hmm. and I knew that and I knew that, you know, yeah. on, a, on a level. Right. And so just to like be like, yeah, that's the sacred black feminine in me. Yeah. Yeah. That's the wise, holy one within me. Mm-hmm. I was just Who talking knows? to Adam about mm-hmm. that today that like 
there mm. are questions. And seven must be like such a special age because that's mm. the age I, <laughs> I always bring up. I'm like, yeah, when I was seven and I asked this question and I never got an answer. Never. I was, I was never satisfied. You're intellectually developed, but the, fa- the veil is still so thin between yeah, it is. heaven mm. and where you're at now. It is. Mm. I, I believe that mm. truly. And I just like, I never, I, I wasn't satisfied. So I think in a way, like whenever you said your, your faith crisis started at seven, I was like, that's relatable content. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just must know. Just like, yeah, you know, and I love that, right? I mean, I think like, um, I've been, uh, I've so this, um, Matthew Fox is this um, like theologian, mm-hmm. artist creature um i don't know if you guys are uh, familiar with his work but you'd probably like it um but he's 81 and so he's at the sort of twilight of his life but just ridiculously active still because that's what he is he got kicked out of the catholic church by cardinal ratzinger before he was pope oh, oh hey, there you go. um and then um so be- for being like gay and being like uh whatever you know having his own theology yeah so and so now he's sort of just like an avant-garde catholic theologian and um he shared on his daily email like the week before christmas that he was um emailing with um leonardo boss who is like you know one of the founding parents of the um latin american liberation Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. theology and he's also he's 80 so i'm like oh to be in those emails i would love to oh <laughs> yeah but i say all this because leonardo boss wrote a little poem in honor of christmas that he shared with matthew the matthew then shared with like all of us as mm. readers and the poem is this um every every boy wants to be a man every man wants to be a king every king wants to be god only god wanted to be a boy mm. So every boy wants to be a man. Every man wants to be a king. Every king wants to be God. Only God wanted to be a boy. And I bring that up because it's, that is like, it's funny because I wrote Matthew and I said, that's a spell for casting out toxic masculinity. Absolutely. (laughs) And awakening the sacred masculinity within. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, that's so beautiful to me because there's something about the divine. And Matthew writes about this, that he writes about how, um, uh, I forget, uh, I forget the guy's name that he was quoting some like old mystic, but like God is the oldest thing in the universe and also the newest, youngest thing in the universe mm, at the same time. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so like this idea that like that openness of being young and asking mm. questions and having hope still and being like, this can't possibly be what they're teaching. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, is just so much of that God that wanted to be a boy. Yeah. You know, uh, that's the divine in us when when we are like, you know, it's not about power and domination and having the answers and accumulating. It's really about newness mm. and young youngishness. Yeah. And like it's like, yeah, that's so powerful to me and so healing. Mm. Um and that's when I it was like when I meditate on a poem like that where I'm like, okay, yeah, let's call it a crisis of faith. Cause that's what it was. Right. <laughs> right? It's, it's a, it's a new thing. It's a new thing and new things are divine. Mm. You know, it's a young thing and young things are divine and um, it's an uncertain thing and uncertain things are divine. Like, it's just this, I love that. Like, I don't know what my next step's going to be. Yeah. And there's divinity in that. Mm. 
Um, yeah. And that's like really cool. So yeah, that is, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. I, one of the, um, one of the coolest things, um, and, and really so simple, but I just, I loved it so much. You, um, you made a graphic. It's, it's just your words. And you said, if God is black, is a black woman, then I don't need to be God. Mm. Um, and it, first it just, it caught my eye. Uh, Cause again, as someone who's like my, my spirituality like has now evolved into like God is within me. And so it was like, Oh, interesting. Like, uh, what's that? Like, what does she mean by that? And then as mm-hmm. I read your caption, um, it really, really, really spoke to me. And um, I don't know if you remember um, mm-hmm. everything yeah. that you said, but mm-hmm. uh, if you could just kind of mm-hmm. explain um, to our listeners yeah. what that means to you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm a recovering strong black woman. <laughs> and so, you know, um, in our society, particularly middle class black women have been um pushed into this sort of this stereotype mm-hmm. or this identity where, you know, we're stoic in the face of challenges. We don't show emotion. We're, we take care of everybody. Mm-hmm. We're always reliable. And our humanity is really denied in that. And so on the, on the one hand, it looks like a positive stereotype, but really it isn't mm-hmm. because it, it doesn't let us be human and let us have needs and yeah. let us, mm-hmm. um, uh, say no and uh, let us um, have break like sort of like um, not not just breakdowns but also like um, outbreaks of mm-hmm. like emotion mm-hmm. and so um, you know that's been a huge part of my healing journey is letting go of the need to be a strong black woman as yeah. as as my source of significance in the world yeah. um, and so a big part of me recognizing that God is a strong, is the strong black woman in a healthy way, yeah. mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. um, is for me to say, okay. Cause I mean, a big part of my strong black woman is comes from the fact that yes, I want to, um, like, um, you know, black people deal with what we call in social psychology, um, stereotype threat, where we're constantly afraid of confirming negative stereotypes about ourselves. Mm. Like case in point, case in point today, I got like an iffy Airbnb review, and it like mm. sent me into a tailspin, oh, <laughs> yeah. even though like it really doesn't matter what this Airbnb host <laughs> thinks about me. But like sure. because I'm a, I'm like, well, I don't want people out there thinking that I'm confirming negative beliefs. Uh, yeah, you know, they're negative right. stereotypes, you know. Mm. So we kind of always live with this like um, low key threat that pops to the surface sometimes. So part of part of being a strong black woman is like trying to avoid that, right? Mm. I want to prove to them. But part of being a black strong black woman for me is I don't trust that other people will handle it right. <laughs> yeah. yeah right because society never handles it for black women mm-hmm. society always lets us down and i'll be honest and in, I, I don't have zero expectation that any given white person at any given time is going to do the right thing when it comes yeah. to me as a black woman right just zero expectation every once in a while i'm surprised but i don't expect white people which is the vast majority of many of the social spaces that I'm in, especially mm. having been in Christianity and academia. Right. And so I was constantly walking around with fear yeah. that nobody has my back except me. Therefore I always have to be strong. Mm. And so for me to start to realize, wait a second, God has my back. It's not white male yeah. God. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. It's not, uh, someone in the email said to me yesterday, Jesus Claus. Oh my <laughs> God. <laughs> right, which I think is like so great, you know, and he actually thought that I made it up and I'm like, oh, actually, I think you made that up. <laughs> I'm take it. Um, but Jesus Claus, right? You know, so like, 
It's not that. It's actually someone who knows my situation, knows what it's like to walk through this world with a body like mine, knows what it's like to carry the pain of Black women. Mm. And it has my back. And then it's like, oh, okay, I don't need to control everyone else. Yep. I don't need to con- I don't need to whip myself into shape. Mm. I can actually take a nap mm. because it's going to be okay. Yep. <laughs> somehow, yeah. somehow, I don't know how, but somehow it's going to be okay. You know? And so that's why, like, it's one of those things where it's like, I believe that God is outside of me. And I also believe that God is inside me kind of like you, Lauren, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's one of those like both ends where it's like in this particular instance, it's really helpful for me to kind of like a process theologian slightly separate the two mm-hmm. and say like, um, I, I, I embody God and also God is separate. Mm-hmm. There's it's both and, you know, um, because that gives me a chance to just breathe and say, oh, okay, like I don't have to, I don't have to play God. Yeah. And playing God's exhausting. Yeah. And and something And it doesn't work. <laughs> no, it I'm, just makes me miserable. <laughs> carrying the weight of the world. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. I can't control people, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> well, like for me, I I would imagine, you know, when I try to like rest, um, sometimes uh growing up, I would try to imagine that I was like in the hands of God. Um, Mm. and that I would kind of like curl up and it was warm and cozy. Mm -hmm. And there was always an aspect whenever I would do that, where it's almost like I would have like halfway have my eyes open, looking around, making sure like God wasn't going to come get me at the Mm. same time. Kind of like the same feeling. Like if you're like in a layover and there's like, you know, you're trying to take like a little nap in an airport before your next flight and you sleep on top of your bags and you don't really sleep because you basically have one eye open at all times. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, That's the same sort of feeling I would get whenever God was he God. Um, Mm -hmm. To me, I would rest, but kind of with one eye open, like, Mm -hmm. all right, but what am I doing wrong? Or when's he going to come out to get me? Like, how long does this nap? How long do I yeah. actually get to rest? Like until the it's calm before the storm. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. So I'd always have that one eye open feeling, and I remember when. So you know, when I read your post, I was like, "Wow, that really resonates." Because mm-hmm. when I realized that God is a brown black woman then I can actually rest. And all of a sudden, Mm. like that, that vision that I would try to like calm myself down with, like in the hands of God was warm. It smelled like cooking and curry. Mm. (laughs) And it was like just immediate catnap. Like I just could immediately Mm. fall asleep and like forget where I'm at, never have a thought, like just complete rest. And that's when I was like, yeah, this is it. Like, this is what God is. Yeah. This is what love is. This is what comfort is and nurturing and protection. Mm-hmm. Because if w- without that protection, like I would keep that, I would keep one eye open. Mm-hmm. Um, unless, totally. you, unless you feel totally like you can surrender in that, in that love and in that protection. Hey everyone, want to take a quick moment to say thank you for listening. If you like what you're hearing, please share this episode and rate and review the podcast as it helps others find this online community. Thanks so much. Now back to the episode.
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a beautiful story. And it also is like, you just like proved to me that you're a musician. Because you were like, yeah, when you're in the airport on a layover and you're like sitting on your bag. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, that's, not a, that's like not a thing for normal people. I guess. <laughs> yeah, I suppose you're right. You're right. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, that's, that's never my situation. But oh. I can totally see how for you as, like, as a traveling musician. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, was, you like, know, everybody. Really, when you do like, that. Yeah, you know, this is like the life. I'm like, that's not the life. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, you're right. You're right about that. Oh, my gosh. Well, do you feel like um, your work has brought you a new sense of like, of course, spirituality, um, but do you feel like it has given you community in the, in the way that like you may have experienced it in the past with, you know, Hmm. within church or is it something where it's mostly online or it's, you know, it also used to be in, you know, like you said, in academia, like, has this brought you that sense of community or is that being built or how? Yeah, that's such a good out? question. Yeah. You know, so I, I think, um, uh, bushwhacking into the thicket mm. is like, is a lonely enterprise. Mm. Um, I think a lot of people, um, like to witness such journeys. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Right. And and there and there's some like ideological affirmation, but to actually find other people who are that wild, yeah. And um, I mean, I think it's a I think it's a combination of things. Like you know, I think I think some of it's personality. So I certainly don't want to give off this idea that I'm you know, you know, more serious about my faith or whatever than other people. Because I think I'm I'm a I'm a risk taker. Like that's my personality. I'm an extremely creative person. Like so, it's just. You know, some of it's just personality, but it is hard to find um, sojourners, mm. fellow sojourners, um, really hard. And I think it's also especially it was helpful for me to do some work with um, just around like my own um, spiritual abuse story. And I've, I've done some like support groups with the Reclamation Collective, for example, which is like an organization that focuses on healing from religious trauma. Yeah, because it's helped me to recognize that like what I had back in those other Christian spaces was really a cult. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a, it wasn't a community or a family. Um, and mm. so like the, the felt, the felt connection, the felt intimacy was very forced and contrived and a lot of problematic power dynamics and stuff like that. And so I think, um, I think I'm still searching for what mm. like, um, for what true intimacy looks like in a yeah. community space. Yeah. That said, my interpersonal relationships, you know, like I might not have a whole like, you know, tribe, so to speak. Um, but my interpersonal relationships have just blossomed because I'm so much more connected to myself. Right. And right. I'm so much more secure in who I am. Um, and so there's a level of authenticity. Um, once I do find other wild ones. Um, but I, it's, I, I lived in Taos last year for, so for 2020, I right. lived in Taos, New Mexico. Yeah. And um, I'm pretty sure like 
Taos changed me, and now I'm just like, like when I went to Taos, I was like, I was like 10% mystic. Now I'm like 90% mystic. <laughs> and so, like, Love it. I mean, it was just, I mean, it was like a weird year for so many, so many things changed that yeah. year, plus the pandemic, plus living by myself in Taos in this like super sacred, holy place, and mm. um, being going for walks once or twice a week with Mirabai Star, who's like an incredible, like, mystic, like, uh, just someone who's taught me a lot, you know, so I've changed. And so now I find when I interact with like normal people, like it doesn't even compute. Like yeah. they're like, why, but, but why are you doing like, like when I moved to to new England, you know, they're like, why'd you move here? Well, cause the land mothers me here. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, that is not, that is not a legitimate reason. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, there's no other legitimate reason other mm-hmm. than my, my, the land called my body. Yeah. Like, I don't know. You know what I mean? And so like people, People are like, what are you talking about? Like, you're just this weirdo. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm kind of like, I feel like everything you're saying, I don't say this, obviously, but I'm just like, this conversation is exhausting because all it is is about getting more power and who Mm. we know. And and those are the conversations, those those were the people who used to be my people. (laughs) Right. Yeah, sure. so that's where it's like, oh, it's like a lot changes when um, when your when your heart changes. Um, yeah. But I also feel like I've gotten connected with folks too who are just, you know, just incredible mystics. Yeah. And yeah. so, but from outside of the tradition that I grew up in, mostly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You find Muslims being... and Sufis and Buddhists and atheists and yeah, all sorts of folks. Yeah. You can be led and held and protected by a few people around you and you can find mm-hmm. community with small groups of people and mm-hmm. and you can yeah. just be with yourself. Like I feel like I feel like exactly. that's that's what mm-hmm. it keeps coming down to is just mm-hmm. like you're able to present mm-hmm. fully as yourself and that's totally. and that's being held. Because yeah. if it mm-hmm. if God is doing the protecting and God is within you and without you, God is also mm-hmm. within you. You can mm-hmm. hold yourself. You can be present with yourself and be held. Exactly. And I am a we, you know. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's really powerful. I had this um, with my with an experience I had towards the end of last year, so late 2020. I realized in that experience that I was like the. In, it was a birthing experience, and I was like, I'm the baby, the midwife, and the birth parent. Yeah. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I'm all of it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's like not to like and that's not to like super individualize my experience my story but it's that's powerful to me given how much um I have needed other people's input and approval and support and just the kind of the way I was kind of raised that I could never do anything on my own Mm -hmm. especially take a huge step you know um and so yeah it's just to realize like I am a multitude Yes, and um, and I am my own ancestor too. Like I'm actually mm-hmm. the ancestor of of future Christina, you know, and like, right. um, and I yeah, and it's it's really powerful. Ooh, I love that. I love that so much. That's like speaking mm-hmm. my language right there. Uh, well, we we want to be respectful of your time um, and give you some a moment or two before you move on to the next thing in your day. But I wanted to, um just announced to the world that you have a book coming out. <laughs> I do. <laughs> God is a black woman. So February next month, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. February 8th. February big day. 8th. Oh wow. my gosh. So are we officially, is today the 8th? We have, it's one month from today. Oh wow. That's exciting. That's hey. exciting. <laughs> Super cool. <laughs> well, so it's a month from the recording. I had not realized that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when we'll be post, posting this in about a week or two. Yeah. Um, and so we'll be sure to um, 
put all the links and everything so people can get your book. Um, and I'm assuming they can find all the information and on your um, on your Instagram and your website. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. Are, are you so excited? <laughs> I know this has been kind of a long time coming. Yeah, you know, it's like it's a mix of excitement and fear. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, um, it is. I, I feel so um, just so grateful to, um, you know, be able to show up in the world mostly like I want to be seen. You know, mm, and right. um, for that to be um, published and put out there. So that's really wonderful. And also the book is, um, very vulnerable. It's very, um, uh, it's, it's exciting and wonderful and hopeful and also has some really sensitive parts that, um, you know, it's going to be, um, it's, you know, it's just a lot to put yourself out there like that. So I'm taking, I'm trying to take good care of myself now. And, um, part of, part of the reason why I'm even in France is to, to be able to be as centered and grounded, as I can be before, mm. um, before he comes out. So yeah, yeah it's good. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Are you doing any, um, like any book tours or is that on hold? For yeah, now? it'll be, it'll be pretty virtual. Yeah. Just, I mean, it was going to be, I mean, everything's changed since COVID anyway. So, right. um, and then now that there's like a resurgence, so it was always kind of iffy whether there would be anything in person. And now I think it'll just be virtual for the most part, but, um, we are hoping to do like in person, um, when it's possible. So probably 2023, if that's, a, you know, who knows, right. Yeah, it's like, right. Yeah, who knows, but ideally 2023 do like, um, immersive, um, like three or four day goddess of black women experiences. Um, yeah. So, you know, the last thing I want to do is like, just go out there and like lecture on goddess of black women. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I think, you know, I think that's the last thing she wants is for us to like know things about her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I think, sh- I think everyone can have a chance to experience her or their version of her. Really right. the whole point of this book is for people to find, themselves in the divine yes. like it's not necessarily for everyone to think that god is a black woman although that's accurate because that's what i'm saying but right like <laughs> right. really the idea is for like everyone to go out and feel empowered to go on their own journey right and so that's what the experiences will also foster amazing too. so oh i yeah, love that so, like, so music much and art and dance and play and nature and some storytelling for me but also just you know making it way more embodied and like experiential oh 2023 couldn't get here sooner yeah (laughs) i know hopefully i mean it's uh, hopefully the world is safe and then yeah ready for it yeah 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 well awesome i mean i'm just so excited for your book to come out um Uh, i'm i'm gonna get it i can't wait i'm gonna gift it um to friends and family as well um it's something i've just been looking forward to for for a long time ever since you announced that yeah you were Mm. doing a book um so i'm really excited for you and for the world to read your work um and yeah so i'll post all of the information all the all the um links and everything in the episode um description uh of this of this conversation and we love you guys we thank you all for listening And until next time, bye. Bye.